0: Hey, good morning. Thank you, Owen. Let's see, am I on yet? Will get me going here. Hey, uh, while they're getting me working out here, is this, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I don't know. It just doesn't sound like it to me. Um, hey, real quick. So like, you know, you're at a night picnic or a men's camp out and you're like eating candy and meat. No one judges. Yeah. Everyone agree? Yeah. You, you, you be led by the Lord. We don't do the judging thing, right? We don't give the weird looks or anything like that. You do what God has called you to do, we're, you know, so we're probably at camping we'll have meat and non-meat things and stuff, so, um, but uh, man, I got some exciting news about me. No, <laughs> some of you already saw it on Facebook that, uh, that uh, we have the keys to our new house. Yeah, man, it's a, so I'm so excited, I want to preach about that. No, I'm joking around, I'm just messing, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, God God is really good. God is really good. And uh, Michelle's parents here uh, are going to be a part of our church now. And uh, so excited. So, what, just, I mean, just so everyone kind of knows, because people ask me a lot. And we're just really excited. But we're moving in with them, kind of have separate living quarters. And, and uh, it's just an amazing thing that God is doing. And so, um, it's going to be a process of remodeling and moving. So, you know, people, when are you moving? When is this? It's like, oh, well. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's really cool. Yesterday we went over there and prayed, and then we uh, went in the hot tub. So that's the way to do it, right? Worship the Lord, and then go in the hot tub. Everyone goes, you have a hot tub and a pool. So believe me, we're ready for some ministry to happen at my house, yeah. We gave that house to Jesus, and he's going to do some great stuff. So, um, and, uh, But it's a great w- weekend for my wife, because it's her birthday weekend. So it all happening on our weekend. Tomorrow, tomorrow's her birthday, and so um, so just if you want to say happy birthday, but um, yeah. Yeah, we love Michelle. Yeah. I, should I tell them about, have you guys ever heard of the melting pot? I always thought, dude, I ain't, I'm not going there. That's just weird. That's just weird. I mean, guys, seriously, melting pot just seems kind of girly to me, all right? I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go there. But Michelle's like, I want to go there. I'm like, all right, so I make reservations, and we go there. And, man, that, that was awesome. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, st- I mean, maybe may a little girly dip in your food. And I was thinking, like, I was thinking like you, you made me pay that much, and I got to cook my own food? I mean, it's a little bit, you know. No, it was, it was actually really good food. They had this, like, cl- guitar player playing in the other room. That was awesome. Like, it was, set the mood and everything. So anyways, it was good times. We had a great uh, couple days ago. It was fun stuff. All right, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Let's dive into the Word of God here. I know you came to meet with the Lord, amen? You came to hear from God. You didn't come to hear Dave Turner. And uh, you came to hear the Lord. You came to hear the Word of God today. And so uh, I guarantee the Lord's going to strengthen you and build up your faith today. You believe that? So you have a doctor's appointment today. You've got a doctor's appointment for the next couple weeks. A A doctor's appointment with who? Jesus, the MD, the great doctor, the great physician, the best doctor. We don't reject, uh, we don't reject uh, human medical doctors. Thank you, Lord, for all that. But Jesus is the best one. And what, what human beings can't do, there is nothing impossible for God. Amen? And so in this series, we're just trying to, um, we're not trying, we're, we're, we're proclaiming the word to you and convincing you of the inheritance that you have in God, that God has made promises to you and that it is God's will to heal you. You remember from last week, we started with Matthew chapter 8. And we read about that man who had leprosy right here at the beginning of chapter 8 <clears throat> in, uh, in verse 1. It says that this man, as Jesus was coming down from the mountain, that this man in verse two, and behold, a leopard came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we talked about this, the fact that this man believed that that Jesus was able, but he wasn't sure if Jesus wanted to, if he was willing. And how many of us struggle with that? So many people, oh, I know God can do whatever he wants, but they're not sure if it's his timing. They don't sure if God wants to do it. They don't sure if maybe I'm not worthy, right? And so many believers, they don't know that God wants to do it. And I declared to you last week and I began to show you in the word of God that it is God's will to heal you today, right now. And what Jesus did is he heard this man say, I know you can, but are you willing? And Jesus answered to him and he answered for every believer and for every person for all time. Jesus is revealing the will of God. He's revealing the heart of God. He's speaking this out. He says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing I want to do this. I'm willing, right? And we said that it's not like Jesus was outside of the will of God or something like that. And have you ever seen Jesus in the Gospels say, Sorry, man, I just God doesn't want to do it for you right now. No, you never, ever see that. Jesus came revealing the heart of God, revealing the will of God. He is a real king of a real kingdom. He came bringing the kingdom of God. He came to save. His very name means Yahweh saves, heals, delivers right? Yeshua. He's the Messiah. He came to bring the kingdom. And I showed you last week, I began to say that one of the ways we know, there's three reasons we know that it's God's will to heal. Three reasons. I'm sure there's more, but there's really three core truths in the scriptures that many believers don't realize. And I showed you one last week, simply that it is who he is, right? His name is Yahweh is your healer. Yahweh Rapha in the Hebrew. That's who he is, right? He's Yeshua, Yahweh saves. That's who he is. And we talked about that, that it's just who he is. He's the life giver. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. It's who he is. He cannot deny himself. And we, we began by looking at that and understanding that this is what God wants to do. But today I want to talk to you. I want to continue that. I want to continue to convince you. Of why it's God's will to heal you. Number one, it's because it's who he is. But number two, it's because he's promised it to you. It's not just that God, it's who he is. But he's made sure to tell you based on who he is. That I want to do this. He's actually made very clear promises throughout scripture to you. That I want to do this. And he's made those promises because he wants to promise. And he wants to convince you that this is what he wants to do. And not only has he promised it, but he paid for it. It's who he is. He's promised it, but he's paid for it too. And I want to look at those two today. I want to talk to you simply about the fact that Jesus has promised and paid for your healing. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, when you understand that God wants to do this, it changes. It changes how you pray, huh? Changes the way you approach God. See, so many people are coming to God and approaching God based upon human tradition, Right? human interpretations of the Word of God, maybe because of our lack of experience, maybe because of our Western materialism, maybe because there was some wacky guy on TV who was not sincere, and so you're like, I'm just going to reject that. And we do. We reject things that are fake and false. You know when it's sincere. Why should we reject what God has for us in His Word just because some crazy guy wants some money or something like that? I've seen it. I, I've, got, I've always... I've had questions, tons and tons of questions about this. But the Lord has showed me and convinced me in his word. He's convinced me of his character. He's convinced me of his promises. And he's convinced me of the all sufficiency of the cross. And I am commanded in the word to convince you. So many believers, you know, they'll say things like, well, you know, maybe God's just trying to teach me something. Well, you know, we don't know if it's God's timing or not. Well, you know, Dave, we're just supposed to pray. Oh, I get it, Dave. We're supposed to pray. God told us to pray and to ask. But it's, it's, he'll do it if he wants to do it. We're just supposed to pray. Where's that scripture? When did Jesus tell you to do that? He said, heal the sick. That's what he said. Now, why is that? Why is it that Jesus never gave like a maybe or like a qualification to the promise of God? Why is that? Why is it that he's always, always... Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Why is that? Because is there any doubt in his mind? He knows the Father. He knows how the kingdom works. Why is it that Jesus said, go heal the sick? You know, and if it's God's will, it'll happen. You just ask God. You just ask God, little disciples. And he'll make a decision if he wants to do it, if it's his timing. That's how we talk. It's human tradition that has invaded, corrupted the church. We need to see what the word says. Why is it that Jesus told the disciples, go, go, heal the sick? Why? Because it's already been decided. He knows God wants to do it. There is nothing in the heart of God hindering. There is nothing closed in the heart of God hindering that God wants to do for you what he has promised in the word and paid for with his blood. Nothing. That's why Jesus could always ask, ask. He does not qualify. And yet so many people, they're begging God. They're thinking, oh, why hasn't it happened for me? I know that the moment I start talking about healing people. Oh, why hasn't it happened for me? Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe Don't go there, all right? Let's just put that on the side for a second. Let's not talk about, oh, why didn't it happen? And how come? And maybe there's something wrong with me. No, 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 no. Let's just talk about why it does happen. Why? Because faith begins when? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But last week I said a phrase, faith begins when the? Faith begins when the will of God is known. Everyone say that. Faith begins when? Faith begins when the will of God is known. People will say, I, I got unbelief. I, I... A lot of believers, they're just ignorant about things. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. A lot of believers, they don't know. You don't know the covenant that God has made. But when you know, we all have sincere questions. God is not concerned with your questions. But let me tell you, the word of God, like light, pushes out darkness, cuts away unbelief. We don't need to focus on our lack or what's messed up about us. We'll talk about maybe, we'll talk about why healing doesn't happen. We'll look at that. But really, faith begins when the will of God is known. And that's why I'm just showing you what the will of God is. I love this story about Smith Wigglesworth. It's one of my favorites. Smith Wigglesworth was um, just a man of God and, and ministered in healing a ton. He was he's a, he was so bold. He was so bold in, in praying for healing. He would drive miles, miles and miles to go pray for one person. I mean he he would he raised tons of people from the dead. So oh God raised them from the dead. Yeah yeah yeah. Read read, read your Bible right. Of course it was God's power, but he did it in partnership with the Lord. But this is one of my favorite stories. He's just so funny, you know? I, I don't know if you'll catch the humor in this, but listen to this. One day, a man came to the house. This is actually early on when he was beginning to believe God. Man came to the house. He was a very devoted brother. And I said to him, Mr. Clark, why are you so downcast? You know, why, why are you so like depressed? What's up? And he said, I just left my wife dying. Two doctors have been right with her through the night and they say she can't live long. I said, this girl turned to the man, Mr. Clark. Why don't you believe God for her? For your wife. He said, Brother, Brother Wiggles or, uh, Brother Wigglesworth, sorry, I cannot believe her. I mean, I can't, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting all flustered because I get excited about the story. Brother Wigglesworth, I cannot believe for her. I can't, I can't believe for her. He's depressed. He went out of the house I went to see a fellow named Howe who was opening a small mission in Bradford. I thought he was the right man to go with me, to assist me. When I said, will you go with me, he said, no, not indeed, I won't, no. Please don't ask me again. But I believe if you go, God will heal you, or God will heal. I didn't realize at the time, Smith, Smith says, but I realize now that the Lord put those words in his mouth to encourage me. But this first man said, no, 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 I'm not going to go in with you. It's just scared, just want to avoid it, right? But here's somebody, we're talking about devoted Christians, right? Brothers, believers, this guy's starting a mission. No, oh, no, I don't know. So, well, I knew a man named Nichols, who if he got the opportunity to pray, would pray all around the world three times and then come back. So Smith's saying, man, this guy's an intercessor. This guy prays, so I'm going to get this guy to come with me, right? So he says, will you come with me to pray for Sister Clark? And the man said, yes, I'll be very glad. Well, we had a mile and a half to walk to the house, and I told him, when we began began to walk, to pray and not stop until he was finished. He's trying to, you know, encourage the man. Tell him, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and don't stop praying. When we got to the house, we saw that Mrs. Clark was nearly gone. I said to the one that I had brought, Nichols, you see the dangerous condition of Sister Clark, right? She's on the verge of death. Now, don't waste time, but begin to pray. I just start praying. Seeing he had an opportunity, I mean, this guy's an intercessor, he begins to pray. I love this. I had never suffered so much as I did when, I, when he was praying. Up to the Lord, stop him, please, Lord, just stop him. Literally, for minutes, I mean minutes, five, ten minutes, Smith, because I've read other times where he tells the story, he's like inside, he's like trying to listen to this guy pray, he's like, oh, come on, like internally, like, oh, just stop, right? This is why he goes, because he prayed for the dear husband who was going to be bereaved, and for the children who were going to be motherless. He piled it on so thick that I had to cry out. He cried out aloud, stop him, Lord, I can't stand this. He literally said that out loud. I like that guy. We try to be gentle around here, but man, I know the feeling. It's like, guys, okay, let's pray for Rob and people. Oh Lord, just help the surgeon guide his hand. And I'm not saying that's not necessarily always a wrong prayer to pray, but my goodness, there's not like no faith in that. You know what I'm saying? We were not told to pray that way. It just, you know, and then and then here's this word. Oh, we just pray. You just comfort the. There's no faith in that. Did Jesus do that? No. So the, Smith was oh my goodness, these people are praying. And they had like, no faith there. Crazy. So he just couldn't stand anymore and just said, stop. Just stop on Lord. I mean, he's talking to God. So the guy stops, right? So Smith's like, Phew, good, he stopped. Though I knew that neither Clark nor Nichols believed in divine healing, uh, I had concealed a small bottle in my hip pocket that would hold about a half a pint of oil. I put a long cork in it so that I could open the bottle easily. I took the bottle out of my pocket, and I held it behind me, behind my back. Then he said to the husband, Mr. Clark, now you pray. Brother Clark, being encouraged by Brother Nichols' prayer, prayed also that he might be sustained in his bereavement. I couldn't stand it any longer, and I cried out, Lord, stop him. He says, I, I shouted so loud that they could hear him outside the house. Well, <laughs> and he writes right here, he goes, thank God he stopped. As soon as he stopped, I pulled the cork out of the bottle and went over to the dying woman who laid at the bed. I was a novice at this, so I didn't know any better, so I poured all the contents of the oil over Mrs. Clark's body in the name of Jesus. Yeah, a little overzealous. We realize that it's by faith, not oil, but so he, realized he didn't know that. Listen to what he said. This is one of the most moving things. Uh, I, I love this. It's actually, you'll catch it here. Huh? I was standing beside her at the top of the bed where her head was and looking towards her feet. And suddenly, the Lord Jesus appeared to me. I had my eyes open, gazing at him. There he was at the foot of the bed. He gave me one of those gentle smiles. I see him just now as I tell this story to you. I have never lost the vision. The vision of the beautiful, soft smile. And in fact, other times he would tell that oftentimes he'd be praying for people, and Jesus would appear the same way. Just smiling. After a few moments, he vanished. But something happened that day that changed my whole life. Mrs. Clark was raised up and filled with life and lived to bring a number of children. She outlived her husband many years. Man. Let me tell you, we don't, we don't uh, base our faith on stories, but that's a testimony of the Lord. If you want to know why Jesus was smiling? Because he found a man who would believe him. Because it's his will. Jesus was standing there going, you get it. You get that I want to do this. It changed Smith. For a while, Smith was always like, oh, you, you pray. You know, He'd always call other people to pray for him. He didn't think he had enough faith. But here in this time, he's like, man, no. I'm going to believe God. It is the Lord's will to heal you. It's who he is. He's the healer. He's promised it. He's paid for it. Let me show you something in Matthew 8, a little bit further. Just turn to uh, another story. <clears throat> In verse 14, listen to this. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and served him. Right? Just as easy as a touch, just like Kurt was preaching a little while ago. Just easy for Jesus. Touched her hand, fever gone. Verse 16, when evening had come, they, the, everyone in the, in, the, in the village, in the town, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, he cast out the spirits with a word. You never see Jesus fighting with demons, wrestling, exorcisms? Just with a word, get out. Easy. And listen to this verse 16, and healed all who were sick. How many? So all these people hear that this woman is healed of a fever. She starts serving them dinner. Everyone hears about it. He's been preaching and teaching in this city, by the way. This is where Peter is from and all that. They, they all gather that night because dude, they want to be healed. And they all gather in, flooding into that house. I always feel bad for Peter, don't you? Like there's multiple stories where it's like, dude, get out of my house, you know. They crowd the little house. And it says, Jesus cast out demons with a word. And he says, all the sick were healed. All of them. Now Matthew is the gospel writer that connects the Old Testament with the New Testament. He helps us to understand how Jesus fulfilled prophecies, and he's going to explain to us here why it is that everyone got healed. He's going to connect the dots for us. He says, why, is why, is why is it why did everyone get healed? Was it like because God was in a good mood? He says it in verse seventeen. So all healed, Jesus healed all who were sick, verse 16, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Matthew connects the fact that everyone was healed with what? A prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling. A promise of God that God made in Isaiah 53, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. There are promises all throughout the scripture, promising healing to God's people. And here's one right here. You have Malachi chapter 3 saying that the Messiah would come with healing in his wings. Isaiah 61, not like he'd actually have wings, right? He's talking about in his garments, a power of God flowing through him. The Messiah would be a healer. Isaiah 61, that he come to open eyes of the blind, heal broken hearts, set captives free. What did he do? He did that, right? We've been looking at that all over the last couple months, that Jesus preached, taught, healed. Always talking about the kingdom and then demonstrating the kingdom. This is what he did, right? Prophecy after prophecy that this one would be the healer. But notice that in this promise, he specifically is saying, why is it that we are sure that Jesus that it's God's will to heal. Why is it that Jesus could heal every single one of those? Why? Because Jesus is fulfilling the promise that as Messiah, he would take up our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. He's obviously talking about physical sicknesses. Yeah? I mean, I see this all the time in the church nowadays. People like to allegorize Jesus, Jesus' life. Well, you know, you, You've got the shame you're struggling with, like leprosy, it's on your skin. And you feel so disconnected from everyone because of your leprosy. You're struggling with rejection. And Jesus comes to you and he touches you and he heals you internally and emotionally. Well, praise God he does that. Amen? (laughs) Praise God, you know? But let me tell you something Mr. Leper over there was isolated from a community because he was a real leper and he was in physical pain. Well, Jesus just wants to heal you emotionally. Yeah, and the guy has a roadblock to that called leprosy. Now, if you don't know Jesus wants to heal you spiritually, emotionally, internally, and all that, you got to read the Gospels, right? It's called forgiveness of sins and, and leading you to repentance, praise God. I mean, he's the greatest psychologist, counselor, internal healer. He wants to do the whole thing. So I'm not saying not to that, but read the Gospels. Can we just be honest with the Word? What I'm saying is I don't feel that people are honest with the word of God. They tell these stories and they allegorize it and spiritualize it. Like he wants to heal you on the inside. And it's like, yeah, that's a great sermon. Sounds really spiritual. Sounds really spiritual. Like prayers like Lord, if it's your will, but guess what? It's not what it says. If you're just honest with the word, he healed a dude of leprosy. He healed all sick people and all sick people were healed. Why? Because God promised it in Isaiah 53 and he came to fulfill that promise. You see what I'm saying? God has made promises to you. Listen to, um, just listen to some of these promises in the Old Testament. God says in Exodus 15, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes. Listen, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Because of who he is, he promises, you walk in covenant with me. I will not put any of those diseases or plagues on you. Listen to Exodus 23. You shall serve the Lord your God. He's talking again about being in covenant with God. This is right after the Ten Commandments. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness from the midst of you. Healing has always been a promise of God in his covenant with his people. He makes promise after promise that if we walk in this covenant with him, he will heal us, he will take sickness from the midst of us and keep us from plagues and diseases. Deuteronomy 7, you will be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among the livestock, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. How much? And will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known but will lay them on those who hate you. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples of the the, Lord. He goes on and talks about taking the land. All right, that's fun too. Listen to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right, bless who he is, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What does he mean? All the benefits of being in covenant with God. That he has promised in his word. Bless the Lord. Praise him for who he is. Who forgives all your iniquities. How many? And heals all your diseases. How many? It's both. What we have made separate. You never see it in the scripture. God created the whole person. Spirit, soul, body. And he redeems the whole person. And he's always promised it in the word of God. What we divide and we segment, he never has. It's who he is to be healer. It's the full gospel because it's the kingdom. And he's made promises to forgive you every sin and to heal you every disease. You never see a distinction in the word of God like this. One of my favorite stories in Jesus's life, just because it reflects this very well, is when Jesus again is in Peter's house. And everyone's crowding around to be healed. People are coming from all over Judea and Galilee and pressing in, coming to these cities. Now they're just, dude, I want to hear this guy. I want to, I want to be healed. And they're pressing in, and nobody can get into the house. It's so crowded. And so these four friends have a friend. These four men have a friend who's paralytic. He can't walk. And so they decide to climb up on the roof, lift the man up there, break open the roof, and lower the man down. The Bible says they saw Jesus saw their faith. Amen. That's, that's faith. They really believe. Man, if they can just get that man to me. I'll do it. They lower the man down. And what does Jesus say to him? Most of you know the story. Son, your sins are forgiven. Interesting, huh? Sons are, sins are forgiven. Right? He came to reconcile people to God. Sins are forgiven. Pharisees in the room. Psh, who could forgive sin about except God? Jesus knows what they're thinking, right? He knows what they're thinking. And he says out loud... Oh, hey, guys, you know, would that be freak you out if somebody like heard your thoughts and said exactly what you were thinking? Hey, what, what's harder? What's harder? What's harder to say to this man "You're," or to say rise and walk? Well, obviously to say rise and walk, right? Why? Because you got to show, show, show me the money. See, so many of us have such an ethereal faith. God is with me in these hard times. Dude, read the word with you means favor and blessing and that he'll do what he said he would do. So he says, let me just show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Of course he's the forgiver of sins. He's the king to bring the kingdom, to bring healing and reconciliation to people. Restoration, to drive out that disease called sin in us, reconcile us back to God. Amen, that's number one. He said, let me just show you. Let me just show you how this works. Rise up and walk. And the man stands up. What does that prove? Proves exactly what Psalm 103 says. All your sins forgiven. All your diseases healed. Why? It's in the covenant. See, we don't know that we have a covenant with God. We don't understand that he's promised in his word. Look at the New Testament. James 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Greek word sozo, right? Save, healed, delivered. The same word that Jesus uses when people got healed. Same word that's used when we get eternal salvation. Sozo. Saved, healed, delivered, whatever. Rescued, anything. Says that man. And I love this. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Huh, look at that. Forgiveness, healing. Keep seeing that, huh? It's all over the word of God. Because it's all the same thing to him. He's the same confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's promised in the Old Testament. It's promised in the New Testament. I have so many people say, oh, but that's the Old Testament, right? Those are the Old Testament promises. Those are the Old Testament covenants, you know? And so we're not like in that anymore. Really? Oh, but you know, like I've kind of disobeyed God and everything. It says there you need to keep his commands and everything. Sure does. Right, The Old Testament says, if you obey me, you'll be blessed, right? Deuteronomy 28. Man, you r- obey me, you'll get blessing. You disobey me, you're going to get cursing, right? Those of you who know the Old Testament, the law, you know. Disobedience brings a curse. Turn with me to Galatians 3. Let me show you something. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. We'll start in uh, verse 13. There's a whole context to this. You can read it later. But just flow with me here. This is the bottom line. Verse 13. Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, if you understand. you understand that God made a covenant promise to Abraham. And then confirmed it to Abraham's descendants. And sealed it with the people of Israel. You understand that God was walking in covenant relationship with people. And he was making a promise to them. I will heal you. People sin, yeah? He said, "But Dave, I've sinned. The curse of God is on me." Yeah. If you're in under the law, if you're not in Christ, yeah, sin brings death. And the law, make sure of that. God, the Bible says in Galatians that God brought the law to show us our need for Christ. Curses every man who does not the things that are written in the book of the law it says, verse 10. But did Jesus obey every command of God? Yes or no? Yes. Did Jesus ever sin? No. Nope. He obeyed every command of God. Yeah. Look what it says here, a little bit, a couple of verses later in verse sixteen. Now Abraham and his seed. Oh, I'm sorry. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. In this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God and Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Who was the covenant made with? Who were the promises made to? It says it right there in verse 16, to Christ. God made a promise to his son. God made a covenant with his son, Jesus. And Jesus obeyed every command. So does Jesus get all the blessings? Never sin, gets all the blessings, right? And the Bible makes it very clear that if you're in Christ, you get blessed because he obeyed. Did you catch that? You get blessed because he obeyed. He took the curse of the law, your sin and the punishment of sin, Away so that you would have the blessings. On what basis? You? No, not your works. Only by grace. That it would be based on the promise of God. So you have a covenant with God. He's made a covenant with you. And so many of us, we do not understand that covenant. We do not understand that He made promises in the Old and the New Testament. And the Bible says that we, right now, have a new and everlasting covenant by the blood of Jesus, that we are in Christ and what Jesus gets, we get because of his grace. That our covenant is actually called a better covenant founded on better promises. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? God, is it your will? Yes! But yes! But I'm not worthy. Yes! Is it your timing? Yes! All the promises of God. He wouldn't promise it if he didn't want to do it for you. Because Jesus obeyed, you get blessed. The question isn't about being worthy or not sinning or anything. It's about being in Christ. Do you see that so often in the church, we don't even know that we're righteous in Christ. We don't even understand these covenant promises that he's made to us. There was a lady in level two, uh... Level two of our Operation Solid Lives of Discipleship Program is where you really learn about your covenant. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. People do not know their covenant. And I want to tell you, you'll understand what God has promised to you when you go through level two. Really encourage you to keep going in, in, in our Discipleship Program. There's a reason for it. And even many of you might have questions. Why doesn't it happen all the time? Da, 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 da. We answer those questions. We walk you through the theology of it. It's vital That we get a renewed mind. That we get this stuff figured out. It's the only way we're going to walk in the way of the Spirit and walk in the kingdom. There was a lady who was in level 2. Learning about her covenant with God. And her son had seizures and things like that. And a young young son. She comes home that night from level 2. Hearing about the promises of God. The covenant that she has with God. It was late at night. I think the son was sleeping, or she had put him to sleep, or something. She comes into his room and she begins to pray and stand on that covenant promise. And by your stripes, I have been healed. My son's been healed. You promise you take sickness from the midst of it. I mean, just declaring those promises, standing on the word of God. It is your will. I've got a covenant with God. You promised it. You paid for it. I mean, I don't know what words she's saying. Those are just the way I would pray. But I know she's declaring the promises. She's standing on the word of God. She's praying, 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 right, praying. We're talking about a lady praying for her son. Talking about a lady who says, man, I know this is mine. This is my covenant with God. It's my inheritance. It's mine. It's not an issue of wrestling from God's hand or begging him. He wants to do it. We'll talk about why it is that those things need to be contended for here on earth. So that what is in heaven will come on earth. The next morning she wakes up or, you know, her son wakes up and comes to her and says, Mommy, last night I had a dream and Jesus came to me and told me I won't have any more seizures. Why? Why? Because of his mom? Because she took hold of a covenant. She took hold of that for her son. And you can believe God for people, for your family. You can believe God for people you're sharing the gospel with. You can minister to people like Jesus, minister to them. Why was Jesus so confident, like I said? Why did he tell the disciples, just go get people healing? Go tell them the kingdom has come. Call them to repentance and then give them healing. Because he knew there's nothing in the heart of God that's hindering. Remember, I remember one, I remember one time... Uh, I had this massive headache. You know, I guess people might call them a migraine. I really don't know what the difference is, to be honest. And, uh, but I, I, get if I'm in the sun, I, because of my fair eyes, I can really begin to get a, a bad headache. Dehydration probably is part of it, and then the sun, right? And I didn't even know this really. I never connected the dots. Like when I was a kid, this would happen. You know, I just I got a headache, you know? But it would, it would happen because of the sun. And now that I've gotten older, I don't like to go outside on a sunny day without glasses on. You know, if I go to Disneyland or something like that, Uh, I haven't been there for a while, but if we go to Disneyland, it's sunny and I don't have sunglasses, I'm going to be squinting like this. And then I'm going to have this headache, right? Well, I think I was trying to take care of myself that day and be wise and everything, but I may or may not have sunglasses. I'm not sure. Actually might've been when we were moving the offices and, uh, just hot and and sunny day and, and, uh, the the sun and everything, it hurt so bad. And we were just about to start a meeting, uh, that was going to last for three hours. And uh, it was gonna be an awesome meeting, you know. We're getting ready for Thailand, and I didn't have time to go get medicine. It's kind of the way I am. I'm like, oh, I gotta be at this meeting and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was tired, and I think maybe I grabbed some food and stuff. But I'm telling you, these things don't go away for me. You know, it's like they just don't go away; they just last. So I'm thinking, I literally was thinking, I'm gonna have three hours of this meeting in pain, right? So Kurt was leading in worship. Uh, just uh, we were just soaking in the presence of God. worse before the meeting, actually, just resting. And I'm tired, but I'm also just thirsty for the presence of God. So we're in the presence of God, just praying, enjoying the Lord. And I began to tell the Lord, by your stripes I am healed. By your stripes I am healed. Right? I didn't do it out loud, or I mean, maybe we're quiet under my mouth, but that's the heart of it, right? I, was just, I just kept saying that, and declaring that. You know, to, I command this headache to be gone. You know if I was doing that? I just kept standing on that, standing on that, standing on that word, standing on that word. Oh, that's crazy. Thing went away. See, I find it interesting how people are so skeptical. If you popped to Advil and it went away, who would you praise? Advil. <laughs> Proverbs 4 says the word is life to those who find it and health, or literally medicine to those who find it. I took the word of God, I took my covenant, and I said, Lord, I believe that. That thing went away. And that's not the only time I've done that. And I'm not saying I don't take Avu. I'm just saying. He's a good God. He's made promises. But not only has he promised it, he's paid for it. If you look at Isaiah 53, the context of Isaiah 53, you can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to show you something, Isaiah fifty three. Like I said, Isaiah 53, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this prophecy about his death. This is actually one of the reasons I became open to Jesus, mentally speaking. I didn't uh, accept him right away because I didn't really understand the gospel. But my goodness, there are hundreds of prophecies that you guys know about about Jesus, aren't there? Very specific prophecies. And I began to see this like, dang, he did all that? Like, you can't just make that stuff happen. He fulfilled all these prophecies. And I began to open my mind to the concept that Jesus is who he says he is. The tomb's empty. Fulfilled all these promises, these prophecies. Man, this has got to be the real deal. And then I began to hear the gospel and I got saved soon after that. But this prophecy is one of the most profound prophecies explaining to us why Jesus died on the cross. And it says right here in verse 5 and 6. We'll just look at verse 5 and 6. But he was wounded or pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or scourges, we are healed. Now, just before this, it said the verse that that Matthew quoted. You'll see it in verse four. Surely he has borne our griefs or infirmities and carried our sorrows or our sicknesses. See, Matthew tells us this is physical. Makes it very clear in Matthew chapter eight that verse four is physical. It's probably emotional too. In the Hebrew, you don't have a distinction really between like the inner and the outer like sicknesses. They, sin is a sickness in God's the way God thinks and the way that the Hebrews talked about it. So the the, the language in the Hebrew is just there. It is. It's a sickness. It could be internal, out to external. But Matthew eight makes it very clear that he healed people physically. And that proved the prophecy in Isaiah 53, 4, that he bore our our uh, infirmities and carried our sicknesses. Well, when did he do that? He did that on the cross, didn't he? So did he just take, the Bible literally says he bore our sin in his body. He literally, the sinless one took sin into himself. The author of life bore our death. He didn't just take the consequence, the judgment of God on him. He did that. He paid the penalty of our sin. He literally took the power of sin. He took it into himself. So he could conquer it. The Bible says he bore my sin in his body. But it doesn't just say here. It says, it's saying not just that he bore my sickness. But that he bore. I mean not just that he bore my sin. But he bore my sickness. See God wanted to make sure. I've promised it. And I'm telling you this promise because I want to do it. But I want to make sure that you have the legal right to receive it. By dying for our sins. And for our sickness. And making it available for you in the new and everlasting covenant. He purchased the thing he promised to you. And it says right there, listen to this. In verse 5, pierced for your transgressions, your rebellion. So those nails went through his wrists so that your sin and rebellion against God could be forgiven. So many people, man, you don't understand. I'm just, I, I, I want to do this sin. I'm so rebellious. And he died for that too. He died for outright rebellion. And he was pierced for it. But, you know, I always ask people, why didn't they just stone him to death? Why crucifixion? Why hours of suffocation? Why a, 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 an unjust trial, betrayal, beating, mocking, pulling his beard? Why scourging? Why scourge a man and then crucify him? You ever wonder why Jesus died before the two men who were crucified on the right and his left? Like, Jesus is weak. He wasn't weak. They had scourged him to the point of blood loss. He was dying. Scourge and then crucify. Why do you do that? Why is it that the Roman Empire is over the, uh, uh, Jerusalem when the Jerusalem temple was there for like about a hundred years? In this short window of human history, the Roman Empire is in power. There's a Jerusalem temple. By 70 AD, the Jerusalem temple has been destroyed. Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, who's to fulfill these promises, is born in that small little window of time. Why is that? The Bible calls it the fullness of time. Why? Why is it? Why did he just stoned to death? Why not hanged? You know, why not like lethal injection in the year 1980 or something like that? Why did he come at that time? Isn't that interesting, isn't it? When the Romans were the perfect, perfect torturers using scourging. We're not talking 39 lashes. We're talking they scourged him till he was a bloody pulp like in the Passion of the Christ movie. That's the real deal. Fairly accurate. Little Hollywood eyes, but because listen, it says he was pierced for your rebellion, and he was crushed or beaten for your sin, your iniquity, and the chastisement that was upon him brought you peace with God. Oh yeah, your sins are forgiven; you have peace with God. But it says this: by his scourgings, you were healed. I want you to understand, you—he died on a cross and was pierced so you could be forgiven but he was scourged so that you could be healed physically. Oh yeah, what about emotionally? Sure, I'm sure that too. Here's why. He's the redeemer. Do you think that Jesus is going to die again? Okay, think about this. One day, in fact, turn with me to Revelation 21. One day, Jesus is coming back, amen? He's going to restore all things. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to restore all things. Do you realize that you as a believer, you are going to get a physical, glorified, resurrected body just like Jesus, yeah. right? Men are like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> We're, seriously, w- women, uh, you struggle with image. Dude, I'm telling you, glorified, resurrected body, you're not going to struggle with that. I'm telling you, you're going to get it all. Just read the Bible, right? Revelation 21 says this. Listen, new heaven and new earth. Verse 3, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. See, in heaven, no sickness or disease, right? The new heaven and new earth, when God restores all things, when Jesus is king and he makes everything right and establishes justice and peace upon the earth, physically, spiritually, with the environment and every aspect of human society, like politics and education, and he establishes his righteousness, his kingdom comes in full, he's going to make it all right. When did he pay for that? At the cross. Do you think that he needs to die again for the new heaven and new earth? He needs to die again to make, make it uh, possible for, for this restoration to happen? No, not at all. Died one time, right? Once for all. Shed the blood. He was pierced for your sin. He was scourged for your healing. Why? Because he's the God who created you. Spirit, soul, body. And just like your body is going to undergo a resurrection, this world is going to undergo a resurrection. A new heaven and a new earth. He'll restore all things. And guess who died for that? He did. When you read Revelation 21, you're reading about your inheritance, And all the other promises in the scriptures, those those are your inheritance. You're reading Revelation 21. You're saying, yeah, that's mine. And guess who paid for it? He did, right? You get an inheritance when somebody dies, right? He died for that. He shed his blood. But guess what the Holy Spirit's called? Ephesians 1. He's the first installment of our redemption. The down payment. See, think about it. I promise you, I'm going to get you a car. I promise you, I'm going to get you a car. Get you a new car. I'm going to get you a BMW or something like that. I don't know, just being silly. Get you a new car. I'd make a promise to you. That's good. How do I know I'm going to get it? I don't know if it's God's timing or not. I'm going to do it. I promise it. But what happened if I say, yeah, it's paid for? Paid for it. It's not the dealership. They got the keys. I promised it what did I do pay for it's done right see why is it God's will to heal you today right now because He already paid for it just go get it it's already paid for he already died for you to get your inheritance it's done and the Holy Spirit is literally called the first installment if you have a billion dollar inheritance right so you got a billion dollar inheritance here's 100 bucks you know what a testimony of God's healing is, right? When a lady gets healed, when a lady believes God and her son gets healed, when Dave Turner says, "No, no headache," you know what that is? Installment. It's called the kingdom of God breaking in to this world. It's called Jesus died for it and paid for it. And it's His will. And somebody has to access it. Faith accesses the power and the blessings of God. Faith is like the ATM card that accesses your joint bank account with Jesus. He died for it, it's his money, but you happen to belong to him and you're in covenant with him, and he's promised it to you. It's already yours. You know, some of us have had dads that didn't keep their promises, huh? Some of us have maybe not kept our promises. See, if I say to my son or my daughter, yeah, I'm going to come home, we're going to go to the park, we're going to play, and then I don't do it, what is that? It's called lying, isn't it? I'm not sure exactly why people think, they go, well, God's sovereign. Are you saying that God, you know, like you just, you're telling God what he, he's going to, no, 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 no. no. God sovereignly chose to make a promise to you. Why is it that people, in our way of thinking, I think it's a demonic attack of the enemy, to try to get the church to go, yeah, yeah, he's sovereign, he's sovereign, he's sovereign, he can just do whatever he wants. You know, if God doesn't want to do it, I mean, that's just up to him. He does whatever he pleases, you know? You know, it's up to God if God wants to do it. I understand. I mean, he's faithful to his character, but you know, he can just do whatever he wants. No, 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 no. No, the Psalm 138 says he's exalted his word above all his name. What does that mean? Above his reputation. Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. In his sovereignty, he's made a choice to love you and create you. In his sovereignty, he's made a choice to make a promise to you. And the Bible says he cannot lie. It's impossible. Do you realize that to believe what God said is simply to believe that he actually is integrous and not a liar? And and, and it's saying, Lord, I'm going to believe what you said in your word and that you're not a liar. And I'm not going to interpret your character based on my circumstances or my experience or lack thereof. I'm not going to judge you. Based on my lack of, of understanding of how your kingdom operates. I may, I've heard people say this, but I believed God. I believed God and it didn't happen. Now I understand they're hurting their pain. Believe me, I, when people are in a pain, painful situation like that, I don't hear policy, we'll talk about this more. I don't condemn people, but I'll never blame God for sure. But I'll call people to their responsibility. So we'll, we'll talk about that. People say that in their pain, I just listen. Look, I'm not here to judge, okay? I don't judge people. But let me tell you what that person's saying. I believe God. He didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that you're better than God? You're saying that he lied, and you, but you kept your part of the deal. Now, maybe that person did believe God, but their complaining is an accusation against God's character. So I'm not saying that they didn't believe God. I'm saying that their accusation is an accusation against God's character. He's exalted his word, word above his name. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do? Has he not spoken and will he not make it good? If God has said something in his word, he will do it. You'll never see in the word of God where God reneges on his promise on these things. You'll see that whatever a man sows, that will he reap. You'll see that it's our responsibility to position ourselves to receive. But well, you'll never see that God just, I just don't feel like it. He's promised it and he's paid for it. And see, if somebody says to you, yeah, I'm going to do this for you and doesn't do it, we call that lying. Lying. And so if you have this theology that says, well, you know, God, you know, just does what he wants and I know he said it, but he can, you know, if he's in a, wants to do it or not, you're calling God a liar. He can't lie. See, I've had a lot of questions in my life. A lot of questions about this. This and everything else about Christianity. I'm a recovering skeptic. But I've been convinced by the word that he is who he says he is. That he will do what he said he will do. And that he paid for this. I believe in the all-sufficiency of the blood of of the cross. That he paid for it all. I believe in the promise that he's made and I believe in his faithfulness. See, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. You need me to put my hands on you to heal you. You don't need Kurt to have a word of knowledge for you. You don't need a testimony of somebody else getting what you got. Now, those things are good. Praise God. We need the gifts. Of the, I mean, in a sense, we do need it. I'm kind of trying to show two different things here. Praise God, we love the gifts of the Spirit when God says, hey, I want to heal this. Praise God, the testimonies do build our faith. They show us that that's our installment, right? You got a hundred bucks, you got a hundred bucks, you got a hundred, that's our inheritance. I love all that stuff. But I see so many people, man, I just need a man of God to pray for me. I need a woman of God to pray for me. No, 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 no. You have a covenant with God. He's made promises to you. You need to take hold of your inheritance. Did Abraham have a testimony of like a dude getting lots of kids? (laughs) Had anyone ever had a kid who was a virgin? Oh, well, Mr. Angel, I mean, I've never heard of that before. I just can't really believe God for that. What did Abraham do? God said, I'm going to make your descendants like this, these stars. And he struggled. Let me tell you, he was asking God, hey, yo, dude, God, what's up? You're making this promise. I'm old. My wife's old. We are barren. Come on now. And God said, come here, come here, come here. He didn't have a testimony. He didn't have some dude to encourage him. He didn't have upbringing in the Bible teaching like we do. God brought him outside, showed him the stars and said, I will make your descendants like the stars of the sky. What did Abraham do? God, Bible says, Abraham looked up and believed God. You know what that was? Yep. You do what you said. What did Mary do? Do you realize that Mary became the mother of Jesus, not just because the angel came to her, but because she believed God. Just read it. He said to her, you're going to become Mother Jesus. And what did she say? Here I am, your servant. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's it. Because faith begins where? Or when? Faith begins when? What? Let me say it. When the will of God is known. She heard the word and she believed it. David, no one ever had a Messiah come from the line of David, but God came and gave David a promise. Man, your son's going to sit on your throne forever. David said, you're the sovereign Lord. That's what he said. You're the sovereign God who makes promises. and You keep your promises. You do it, Lord. That's what he said. Do it. Do it according to your promise. Ain't nothing he's going to do to make that happen. He said, yes, who am I? Who am I that you would say that to me? Second Samuel seven. Who am I? Just do it, Lord, according to your promise. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you remember the woman who had that bleeding problem for 12 years? Probably some sort of feminine problem. Can you imagine the pain she was in? Some of you probably do. Can you imagine she goes to doctor and doctor and doctor? They don't help her. They make it worse and she loses money after money. It happens in our culture, doesn't it? I'm sure she felt shame regarding that issue in that culture. Unworthy or something like that. I'm sure she's... I'm sure... Praying to God. God, heal me. Why hasn't this happened yet? God, how come this doctor hurt me? Didn't work. Struggling, I'm sure. But what happened in Mark 5? It says she heard. She heard about Jesus. She heard the word. She heard the word. She heard the testimony about Jesus. She believed this is the Messiah you got to understand, it's not that she heard a testimony about a nice dude. She knew. Messiah, healing in his wings. The anointed one has come. He's come to fulfill the promise of God, bring the kingdom to us. And she said to herself, if I touch, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Not maybe, not mine, I really hope so. We'll just give it another whirl. We'll give it another whirl. And if I just touch the hem of his garment, and she's, so, she's shy and ashamed, doesn't want to go up to him in the crowd. Everyone's bumping into Jesus. She comes up behind him, touches the hem of his garment. Power is released from Jesus. He doesn't even know what's going on, right? Everyone's touching him. This is, she didn't get healed because of Jesus' faith. He didn't even have a clue what was going on. Hey, who touched me? They're like, dude, Jesus, everyone's touching you. He's like, no, 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 somebody touched me. Faith. Because he turns around and he says to the woman, Woman, your faith has sozoed you. What is he saying? Your faith got you that one. Why? Because there's nothing hindering the promise of God in the heart of God. It's already a done deal. He wants to do it. The power of God is available. And it was her faith that said, man, reaching up and touching the hem of his garment. I'm going to get what God has for me. He's come. The kingdom has come. The king is here. here. And it's time to receive. Do you see what I'm saying? It's who he is. He is the healer. He's made promises that by my stripes you'll be healed. And he paid for it to make it sure. The word of God. The word of God is what's going to bring that faith. It's going to push the darkness out of you. Push the light into you. Bring you to a place of revelation. Don't look at yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't, I don't know what, why not, why this, why that. I know. I've talked to a lot of people that, questions. And that's okay if you got You bring them to the Lord, he'll answer your questions. He'll show you in the word. But can we reject the human traditions? Just go to the gospels. See what it says in the word. And when you hear the word, when that, when his sword does cut away at some stuff, doesn't it? The word cuts at stuff going on in our hearts when it does, you just simply say to Jesus, let it be unto me according to your word. So I want to challenge you in this time of fasting, you get into the word, you set things aside, you flood your heart with the word, you pray to God, because we're believing the Lord to do what he said for our life, for your family members, but also because every one of us are called to minister like Jesus, amen? That we, that we would be people who believe, man, that's my covenant. I can go give it to you. So that we would freely receive and freely give. Amen? Owen, lead us in response.
1: Thanks, sir. We have a winner today, and it's you. <laughs> so because you won the prize, a promise, stand to your feet. Worship team, come. You've all won. And the way how we're going to respond is to believe and to receive that. And I'd like us to do it specifically by taking the hand or the shoulder of the person next to us. And I want you to just pick a promise you to go after healing for yourself first. First, we're going to ask the Lord to heal us, for you specifically, me, myself, I, for your body, soul, spirit, whatever layer you need. He wants to heal all of it. You believe it, you know it. The the will of God is known now by you. So now, take that time to out loud just receive that that promise out loud. So in other words, pick a promise. Anyone. Pick pick a Bible verse. Pick uh if you don't have one just say, God you heal all of my sickness. And take a minute to do that out loud. Let's just go ahead and start praying for yourself.